Okay, we'll go ahead and get started here. First of all, does everybody have a copy of the study guide in the book? Is there anybody that does not have one? We have one. Okay. All right, we'll go ahead and get another copy of that then. So today, we're going to pick up under session one, day number two. We're going to be reading through Hebrews chapter one, verses four through 14. But before we do that, we need to sing our hymn. Pastor Moline, could you get us started on the hymn then? Thy strong word did plead the darkness, and thy speaking it was done. For creation I we thank thee, So picking up under day two of session one, we'll go ahead and look at question number seven, which says, Hebrews chapter one, verses one through 14, calls up seven Old Testament passages to support the claim that the Son is superior to the angels. What point concerning the Son's superiority to the angels is made in each of the following verses? 
So let's go ahead then and just read Hebrews chapter 1, verses 4 through 14. I think you're reading the the notes now. That's okay. I'm good at that. Let's pick up at verse 5 then. Okay. Well, I'll start over. Verse 5. Okay. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father, and he will be my son. And again, when he brings first born into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds, his servants flames from the fire. But about the sons, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. Okay, thank you. So today we're talking about angels here in this little section of Hebrews. Now, why is the author of Hebrews talking about angels right here, where he is in the text? What's, what's the big deal? What is he trying to say here to us? Very good. Jesus is not an angel. And he's superior to angels. See, at this point of time, there is a, a group of Jews that would have believed that angels are somehow superior to the Lord's Messiah because of their proximity to God. So in them viewing the Messiah as just a man or someone who is more of a worldly figure, they would look at the angels as superior and higher beings than the Lord's Messiah. And of course here, St. Paul is telling us that no, in fact, Jesus, the Messiah, is higher than the angels, and he's going to list off several proofs then from Holy Scriptures that show us 
that Jesus is not an angel, nor is he underneath the angels, but he is higher than the angels in power and authority. Okay, letter A. We ask ourselves the question with regard to verse 5. What is the point concerning the Son's superiority to the angels? So verse 5 says, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my Son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. So what's the main point here? There's only one son. There's only one son, that's true. But with regard to angels, what, what here is the point that's being made? They're not God's son. Right. Angels are not begotten of the Father. Angels come after Jesus. Jesus is eternal. Angels are created beings. Now, do we know which day of creation angels were created on? No, it's not revealed to us in scriptures. And so in that way, it's not overly important to our faith and salvation that we know which day specifically angels were created on. But we know that they are created servants of the Lord. Yes, question. So it doesn't matter. We don't need to talk about the fallen angel. Maybe because God didn't. We'll, we'll talk about the fallen angels later on in today's study. Well, It'll come up. About if he ever spoke to the other angels. Spoke or, or created? God created all the angels, and then at a certain point, a third of them fell. We know that for sure from Holy Scriptures. And we'll bring that up again later today as we talk about angels. Yeah, I guess I was just referring to you said, You are my son. Did he say that to any others? Is that what you were asking? Correct. Yes, yeah, so didn't he say that to one of the fallen angels who was his son who was no, next no. to him? No. Okay. That's okay. All right, so in summary, Jesus is God's son. No angel is God's son. That's the main point here for letter A. How about letter B, verse 6? Would someone read verse 6 again for us? All right, what's the main thrust here? What's the point that St. Paul is trying to teach us? Sorry? Right. So does Jesus worship the angels or do angels worship Jesus? Angels worship Jesus. Um, where at? In verse 6? Yeah. When, and when he again brings... He's moving on to his next point. He's saying this is point 1. And again, to support point 1, now he has point 2, which is that the angels worship Jesus and not the other way around. So he's just, it's a, just a grammatical construction. He's building on his argument. Okay, so Jesus is God's son and is therefore not an angel and is superior to angels because no angel can claim to be the son of God. 
Angels worship Jesus and worship God. So we have that. Now, letter C, verses 7 through 9. Could someone read verses 7 through 9 again for us? Okay, so what's the main point here? What is the argument that's being made? Angels are disposable? <laughs> They're not quite disposable. Well, I, I see that wind and the flame and their servants. Where They're servants. They're servants. There we go. And um, God said Jesus above. Those are his companions, but he's above them. Right. Right. This is his main thrust here is that these angels are created to be ministers of God in that they serve God in what they do and he directs them and they take their orders from him. So we're not to take any of that literally. He doesn't turn angels into the wind? Or... Well, the same word for wind is spirit. So angels are spirits. How about flame? Flame. It's the same idea, again, it's trying to bring across that idea. That's the interesting thing with flame, right? Um, you can stick your hand through a flame. I don't recommend it, but you can. Because it's not got mass. Like, I can't stick my hand through the table or through him, but I can through a flame because and they're trying to bring across that idea of a spirit with that. Okay. And that's, that's what the word there is. That's where I got the disposable because it sounded like he was burning them. Right. So that's, it's trying to teach us something that's um, beyond our common perception. So here, St. Paul is quoting Psalm 45, verse 6 through 7, when he, when he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and forever. So the Son is higher than the angels, superior to the angels. Um, there's a difference here. The angels are spirit. Jesus is God in the flesh. There's also a distinction there. All right, any questions? Yes. Yes. So the Hebrews, the Jews, did yes. you make that distinction? Yes. Who don't like to say the word God are saying it here. Why? Um, they wouldn't like to say the word God, like the proper name Yahweh, um, because of the reverence that they would have had. So certainly in their writings... They would use the word God. Does that answer your question? No. Okay. <laughs> I explained the difference last week, Pastor, about Jews and who were the Hebrews. You, you touched that last week, I think. Yeah. 
And they're just different ways of talking about the same people, depending on where are we counting their ancestry from in history. Here also in verses 7 through 9, it says, of the Son, he says, and then he's addressing the Son as God. So we see then, Jesus is God's Son. The angels worship Him. The Son is God. So in, in those three ways so far, we see how Jesus is superior to the angels. All right, let's pick up then at... So you're saying this is the Trinity, the earth, wind, and fire? No. No, the Trinity is God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Earth, wind, and fire have no bearing on that. It's banned from the 60s. Oh, there we go. <laughs> the vicar would not have known that. <laughs> or your diary. You just mentioned it here with the wind and the flames and so on and so forth. Yeah. Let's have God's up first. Could someone look up for us then Luke chapter 1, verses 32 through 33? That's also under letter C here. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. All right, so what is this saying about Jesus, the Son of God? The Most High. The Most High. Who is the ruler, Jesus or the angels? Jesus is. All right, and then could someone look up then Revelation chapter 3, verse 21. this verse have to do with Jesus? He sits on the throne with his father. He sits on the throne. Jesus is the ruler of all. Jesus is God and king. Are angels gods and kings in the same way then? No. no. Okay, let's move on to letter D then. Would someone read again for us Verses 10 through 12 in Hebrews chapter 1. is being taught to us here in these verses regarding Jesus and the angels. They outlast creation. Who 
will outlast creation? Jesus, right? And that's important because it flies in the face of like uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and, and Mormons who believe differently about that. Uh, that's why they're not Christian, because they deny the divinity of Jesus in that way. Specifically, Jehovah's Witnesses say Jesus is the first creation, but they still say he is creation. And so that's an important verse in that regard. The next time they knock on your door, that's what you can tell them. For this. Sorry for interrupting. No, no. So what else is here? I mean, um, who does the creation? Do angels participate in the work of creation? No. No. God creates. Jesus the Word of God is there at the creation, at the foundation of the earth. So up to this point, we have Jesus is God's Son. No angel is God's Son, so Jesus is superior. Angels worship Jesus, and not the other way around. Jesus is the Son of God, and because of that, is King and ruler over all, in a way that the angels are not. And now Jesus created the heavens and the earth, and Jesus is eternal. He will not wear out like a garment or a robe. Any questions about anything so far? Okay, moving on to point E then. Would someone read for us verses 13 and 14? And the words of the angels as he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are they not all ministry spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Okay, what is being taught to us here in these verses? And who are those people? What do we call those people? We are. Right. Christians here. So what, is this, what do these verses then tell us about Jesus specifically? He sits at God's right hand. Right. He sits at God's right hand. Which means what? He's the victor. He's the ruler. I mean, he's, he's the king. He is in charge. And then what, is, what then is the... What do the angels do then? They worship, serve, and minister. They minister. To whom do they minister? Creation. God's people. Right. So Jesus rules from his throne, and Jesus sends out his angels then to minister to Christians. So in that way, we see the superiority of Jesus over the angels, and that he is the one who sends them out. 
We need to also look here then at Mark chapter 14, verse 62. Could I get a volunteer to read that? What is this verse telling us then about Jesus? Sorry? Right. It's Jesus who comes with all power and authority then, not necessarily the angels of God. Okay, so then in summary, the argument here for Jesus being superior to the angels, that is brought out through a lot of quoting of the Old Testament, specifically the Psalms then, is Jesus is the Son of God. The angels cannot claim that. The angels worship Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God and has power and authority then, and Jesus is God. Jesus is the creator of the heavens and the earth, not the angels. And Jesus reigns with God the Father for eternity. And Jesus is the one who sends out the angels then, and the angels listen to and obey him. Any questions then? Would anybody like to debate the point that angels are superior to Jesus? Okay. Pastor Wood, okay. <laughs> yes, we have a question. I would like to uh, point out that Jesus was just a little bit below the angels when he came. I can't remember the exact verse. But we have a verse that says that. Mm -hmm. And in that way, in his humiliation as man, the angels then ministered to Jesus. But ultimately, overall, Jesus, the Son of God, remains over all the angels. Yeah, I Pastor, is that fair to say? I was mentioning... It's exactly the right way to say it. He's lower than the angels for a time in terms of his incarnation. And uh, yet in his exaltation, he brings man, all who have faith in him, resurrected to be above them in that sense. So it, it's a complicated thing all the time long. I was just bringing that up because it talked about uh, him as being the son of man. We just read that. So that's why I referenced sure. back to that. Sure, right. Okay, then moving on to number eight. Read the verses below. Let's do that. We have a volunteer then for Psalm 91, verses 11 through 12. Now, now, why is that verse familiar to us? Where have we heard that one? 
Right. And Victor's favorite. If you say so. <laughs> okay, but but tell us tell us about the tempting. What are you, what are you referring to? He's telling him that if you're the son of God, you can do this and trying to get him to Right, when the devil is tempting Christ then with the three the three temptations. He tells him, you know, you could throw yourself off of the temple and sure enough, the angels will, will pick you up then. So that's why that verse is familiar to us. Um, let's also read 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 through 17. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army of horses and chariots entered the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Okay, now what is this telling us then about angels? But don't you see the great army out there? Yeah. Well, isn't that pretty scary? Right, right. If you have faith in the Lord, I mean, who, who has more power, the armies of the earth or God with his heavenly host? God with his heavenly host. Okay, so now having read these two verses then, discuss with your class ways in which awareness of the work of angels can add to our sense of confidence and peace. I guess first, let's, let's ask the question, what is the work of angels? Any thoughts? There's more than one answer here. What do angels do? We have a guardian angel. That's right, we can talk about that. They're messengers. They're, their name literally means messenger. What kind of messages do they bring? That's true. Right? They often say, fear not. Fear not. Right? When, when they come with a message, frequently, it's pretty frightening. So, they lead with fear not. So, angels, we've got angels are guardians. Angels are messengers. And watchers? How do you mean, watchers? Uh, I think it might go back to the angels stirring up the waters and so on and so forth. Okay, I think I can go with their watchers in terms of, um, in the same way that they're guardians, right? They kind of look over us. They're stand-ins. Stand-ins. Explain that. When they roll the stone away. Sure. Right. Surprise. Right. In that way, they're also messengers, too. Sorry? They're fighters. They're fighters. That's good. Who are they fighting? Or what are they fighting? Evil. Evil. What, what does that evil look like? I mean, when we're talking about angels fighting, we're talking about spiritual warfare. Who or what are God's angels fighting? The devil. The devil? Demons. Demons. The devil and his demons then. 
Angels are caught up then in this warfare. It's unseen, but it's going on around us all the time. They are heavenly hosts. They're heavenly hosts, right? And, and they, they bring messages to us from God. Right? They're messengers. They also worship God. I mean, it's the role of some angels then to be in heavenly places then and give worship to God at all times. Let's see. I think we can say that from Psalm 103, verses 20 and 21, that says, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. So, sort of as an overarching thing, angels then glorify God and worship God and minister to him, which means doing the will of God. And then that will of God then can take many forms, whether that's being a messenger sent by God, by being a guardian angel to Christ's dear Christians. Um, They can keep us from sinning. Can we think of any examples in Holy Scriptures where an angel intervenes and stops someone from sinning? Balaam and the donkey. There it is, Balaam and the donkey. So the angel then interferes and appears before Balaam's donkey and makes the donkey stop, and Balaam hits his donkey repeatedly, and the donkey turns to him, it's the angel speaking, and why are you beating me? And in that way, the Lord sent his holy angels then to stop Balaam from sinning against God and against his will. Victor, yes? We have to add, um, they stopped Abraham. The angel came and stopped Abraham. Right. They brought a word to Abraham from God that said, do not kill your son Isaac. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, the angels also are charged with avenging sin. And the example we have here, then, is the angels that are posted with the fiery sword at the entrance to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve are cast out. Could you say also God's life (laughs) when they destroy the city? I think that was just the work of God destroying destroying the city, whether, I don't know, Pastor, can we say it was carried out by his angels? I, I would have to think about that because the angels do come to do the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, and so in that sense, they're avenging on God's behalf. And they send Lot and his family away in God's mercy. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if Lot's wife changes to salt because an angel does it. Or because God's word, I mean, it seems to be God's word, but how is that right. being mediated? I just don't know enough to answer. It's a good point, though. It's a good well, point. Instead, I'll go with where the angel will strike down. Or is that confusion? Is that in God's word where he confuses and they kill each other instead of. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's okay to just not know the mystery of God and how he's working. We have a question. Lest you forget the angels who are guarding the Ark of the Covenant. 
but also how do you uh, how do you train or what about cherubim, seraphim, so on and so forth? Okay, so the Bible describes to us then there's different types of angels. And then certainly there's different ranks of angels as well in creation, which God has ordered. And so different angels then have different roles and tasks and even appear differently. The same then is also carried over when some of the angels fall and become demons and servants of Satan. They sort of keep their ranks. So in that way, there's demons that are more powerful and have higher authority than others. So that sort of ranking then is just apparent in the spiritual beings that we would call angels or demons. So getting back to the question then, this work of angels, how does that add to our sense of confidence and peace then as Christians? You know, which, which works of angels that we talked about give us confidence and peace today here in God's church? They're guardians. They're guardians. They watch over us. Let's sort of, let's draw that out. In what way or how do we know that these angels then are guardians for us? Yes? My grandson's mom, there's a picture and there's two kids going over a bridge and the angel's behind them protecting to make sure we're safe. Mm-hmm. I had a neighbor who was driving somewhere and she heard a voice, she thought it was her husband who had died, telling her to be careful, there's something, she was about to hit something. And I said, no, I don't think it was your husband, it was, your, it was an angel. I don't know if that was right, but I said, I don't think your husband still watching what Was her husband deceased then? Yes. Okay. Yes, he was. Okay. And she thought her husband, he thought was his voice. He told her to be careful. So when we encounter then these stories, because you hear it very often, you know, a guardian angel intervened for me. What, what is the response then of Christians to some sort of story like that? Yes. I just want to ask, do we think angels could have been involved when God says let's go down and you know and he's talking about the um, in Babel you know with the let's go down and let's go down and uh, you know something with their language you know their, their way they were speaking so that they would all ever you're talking about when God says let us, referring to him yes. traveling with angels. Let's Pastor, is that fair to say? There's really two things that we would say. One is grammatical and one is theological. Uh, theologically, God speaks that way because he is three persons in one God, one God in three persons. the Holy Trinity. So, in that sense, when we get a, a picture of the inter-Trinitarian relationship, oftentimes God speaks in the plural. There also is something grammatically called the royal we. And you see this in like royalty, right? 
when the king of France wants to take over England, he says, uh, let us lead the army into England. And he's speaking in the plural, but he means it in the singular, in the sense that he's the king, but he's personifying his people. And so there is that royal we in scripture sometimes as well. I do not know of any instance in which it would be something else. I mean, off the top of my head, I'm thinking like Tower of Babel, let's go down and confuse their languages. I think that that is both the inner Trinitarian relationship of God working, and it could be even God speaking in that royal term, but that still points back to the Trinitarian sense of it. So that's what I would say. Off the top of my head. Thank you. But back to this question then, when a Christian, a fellow Christian comes up to you and tells you a story of a guardian angel, perhaps a voice that was heard, or some sort of intervention of some kind, what then is a Christian response to that? God works through means, and in this case, means are angels. That's very well said, yes. I think... Thankful, thankful right. Because what, what is it that angels do? The will of God. Right. The, the angels are called to do God's will. And when a Christian says to you, an angel has intervened in some way, has looked out for me either physically by preventing an accident or in some other instance like that, praise be to God. There's no way you can really verify that story to know if it's true. But the Lord does look after his children. He sends us guardian angels. We read here in Psalm 91 that they prevent us from even dashing our feet against a rock. So our response then is, well, thanks be to God. The angel then was doing God's will in looking out and protecting for protecting. It. Well, what happens then when an angel shows up and gives you a word that would be against God's word? That's the devil. There it is. That would be a demon or a devil. And in which case, you would need to know what God's word says to know that that demon is incorrect and trying to lead you away. So you can be visited by both angels and demons. Lord, protect us from being visited by demons. But then that's also what your guardian angels do for you. We talked about they, they battle the devil and his demons. And there's great comfort there. Yes, Ken? I think that we can know in our heart when it's God's intervention. And if we're looking for it, I think we can see it an awful lot more than we realize. Because he is constantly with us and protecting us and the guardian angels there. And, uh, and they're working for us. And if you're looking for it, you can see it. They are. But at the same time, it says, I think later in Hebrews, that some have entertained angels unaware. So sometimes we might be aware of it. Sometimes we are just happily bumbling along, not even knowing of the great spiritual warfare that's going on all around us. And God is taking care of us. Well, it talks about the angels. And um, let's say we would die if we were to see God so the angels serve a purpose to protect him you might say as well he, maybe they are filters for him in a way 
to take care of all the things that need to be done to protect him. To protect. To harm God, maybe as well. To protect God, you know, it might work both ways. You know, you think about the angel of death, um, and there are, you know, other angels, you know, that the other angels, you know, may have all their little jobs and tasks that they do to sort of keep things orderly and righteous. I don't think God needs angels to protect him, but the angels will do God's work and God's will. Oh, to protect us. I mean, that's sort of what we've been talking about as well. sounds all right to me. And then that's sort of building on what he starts off, what we talked about last week. You know, in many and various ways, God spoke by his prophets. Well, it's true, God can speak through his angels as well as messengers, but this isn't really what the New Testament church, what we as church are expecting. We're not expecting messengers from God all the time, giving us new words from God. Everything we need for salvation is recorded here for us in God's Word. It's been written down for us. So angels are not some higher authority or speak better words than the words that Jesus has given to us himself. Here's a question. Do guardian angels protect unbelievers? I've got a couple of verses for us to look at then to help us answer this question. Could I get someone to look up Luke chapter 15, verse 10, and Matthew 18, 
verse 10. I don't know about that. <laughs> Luke, Luke 15, verse 10. You have, you have Matthew? Could we get Luke 15, verse 10? Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Okay. And then Matthew 18, verse 10. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. And then even in Hebrews 1 verse 14 that we looked at today, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So from Holy Scriptures it's taught God sends his holy angels to look out and to protect those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, Christians, the congregation of believers. And these verses then serve to show us that even the children have guardian angels. The angels rejoice when even one sinner repents and his name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And angels are dispatched by God to minister to humans, to look out for them, to guard them and protect them both spiritually and temporally. So if they do not repent, then the guardian angel does not help them? That's a good question. So God's angels are holy, and they are driven away by acts of terrible sin. So if you constantly are in the habit of occupying yourself and your time with sins, that grieve God and his Holy Spirit, and then also the angels, if you welcome in the devil and his temptations and his demons then, you drive out holiness from among your midst. So, repent, return to your salvation that has been promised to you in your holy baptism, receive the forgiveness of God and absolution from your pastor, um, don't occupy your time by deliberately sinning against God and your body and thus driving away the holy things of God. So that's what I would say, say to that. But for Christians who repent and who believe the gospel, whom Jesus has saved, your guardian angels are there for you and you can take comfort in that. Yes? Yes. Is that Jesus, the Holy Angel Jesus, or is that... This, it would specifically refer to the angels of God, the holy angels of God that look out for us, our guardian angels, who minister to us, whom God sends to us to protect us from the devil, all the works, all his works and all his ways. So it is not Jesus, it is not the holy angel. Well, the angels are from Jesus. But it's not specifically referring to Jesus himself, right, Pastor? Yeah, I, I'd say, to, to try and put it in a human example, in that sense, in that prayer, Jesus is kind of like the dispatch of 911 and sends the officer, the angel, 
to watch over us while we sleep in that sense. So Christ is working, but he's doing it through that person. I don't know if that helps or just make it worse. <laughs> yeah. Didn't we say that Jesus was not an angel? Correct. Correct. Okay, so let your holy angel can't be Jesus. He delegates it. He delegates it. Yeah. Good point. In the Old Testament, though, is Jesus sometimes referred to in the Old Testament as the holy angel? Yes. Yes. So, the. I can see that there could be some confusion, but then in Luther's prayer, he's not specifically referring to Jesus then. Any other questions, any kinds of questions about angels or guardian angels or anything at all? Okay. So in summary today then, we're following the argument of the author of the book of Hebrews, where he begins at the very beginning of chapter 1 by saying in many and various ways, we have heard where God spoke to our fathers through the prophets, and um, now he's spoken to us by his son. And his son, then, is greater than even angels who might come to you with a word from God. So Jesus is the Son of God. No angel can claim that. Jesus is God. No angel can claim that. Angels worship Jesus and not the other way around. Jesus is the one who creates the heavens and the earths, and Jesus is the one who created angels, and Jesus is the one who reigns on the throne not angels. And this would go over and against what some of the Jews would have been teaching regarding the Messiah, the sort of Messiah that they wanted to believe in, the one that was more worldly and temporal, who they would have said is less than the angels. So, yes, right, which would mean that he is over then all of the angelic host all of the heavenly hosts, all of the angels. And the work of the angels then, today in God's church, is to guard and protect over his children. So the Lord sends his angels to drive out the demons and to fight them off in spiritual warfare, to protect us from sinning, to even guard us physically, lest our foot be dashed against the stone, and to declare God's will to his people. But we don't really see that one as frequently anymore. We now have a more sure word from God, namely Holy Scriptures, which have been recorded for us to study and to learn. And so then next week, we'll pick up there in chapter 2, where, as Pastor pointed out, it says we must pay cl much closer attention to what we have heard. So the word of God that has been recorded to us versus looking for 
new revelations from angels or false prophets or whatever the, whatever the world or the devil might tempt us into following instead of God's word, we have something more sure than any false word. Pastor? It sounds like you're saying that if we're sitting in a cave in Saudi Arabia using drugs and an angel shows up, we shouldn't start a new religion. Well, if you wanted to make money. Or if we're sitting in a cave in New York State uh, trying to steal people's money and an angel shows up, we shouldn't listen to him either. You probably should not. Just check. Right. Hopefully your guardian angel would protect you from that kind of nonsense. I don't recommend going into a cave and getting high and generating your own religion. But if you do, let me know so I can help you earn a little bit of money. All right, let's go ahead and close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but 